Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. Do you hear that woman screaming? She's screaming on a beautiful Sunday afternoon in the leafy Lakeview neighborhood of Chicago, near restaurants and culture, civility. She was attacked by thugs and robbed in front of her home. So is this the scream of Mayor Lightfoot's summer of joy, or is it something else? Similar screams can be heard in many urban areas now, across the country. Years ago, I tried to warn you about that sense of lawlessness that was growing, and it's still growing, from New York to Philadelphia to Chicago. You've heard about Memphis, right? Memphis. To Seattle, all the way out there to Arizona. Throughout the South, throughout the East, throughout the West, throughout the Midwest. It's all part of what today's guest and friend, Matt Rosenberg of wirepoints.org, has called the great unraveling. You can feel the fabric of civil society unraveling, can't you? Police quit, retire, because politicians don't have their backs. The political left breaks down law enforcement and the rule of law. And the people arm themselves, and soon they begin shooting. And if you're truly honest with yourself, you'll realize that you've felt this happening for years, this unraveling, the great unraveling. And if you're extremely and painfully honest with yourself, you know that if you dare mention it, if you live in an urban area and dare mention it, if you live in a blue area and never mention it, dare mention it, you'll be isolated. You might even pay for it. And it will get worse, at least in blue Illinois, Democrats defending their ridiculous safety act that becomes law in January, signed by Governor Pritzker, backed by the Illinois Democrats and the legislature, ending cash bail for violent crimes in Illinois. Who presided over this mess? Pritzker, the Democrats, including Attorney General Kwame Raoul, and all those maintaining left-wing George Soros' prosecutors, of which Democratic-endorsed Cook County Prosecutor State's Attorney Kim Fox is just one. Where were the newspapers? Where were the great newspapers of the vaunted Chicago Press Corps? Oh, that's right. They went woke. But Wire Points is out there, still asking the questions, and CWB Chicago is out there, still reporting. And let's get back to that scream, because if you dare mention the scream of the woman, chances are political partisans of Governor Pritzker and Mayor Lightfoot will become angry. Chances are they might call you a racist for mentioning that scream. But here's the question, does the scream have a skin color? Does the scream have pigment? 
Does that scream identify as a black woman screaming on the L or off the L as she's, she and her daughter are being beaten up? Does it scream like a brown woman in the Latino neighborhoods? Is the scream of the scream of an Asian woman being singled out by street thugs who hate Asians and, and act out their hate on, on people in urban areas across the, the city and the state? And the country? Or is it just a woman screaming in fear in Chicago like many other cities as lawlessness and anarchy increase? My friend Jeff Carlin, co-host, is here as always. And Matt Rosenberg, I've told you, is here. And I'm John Cass. And I'm here, editor-in-chief of your favorite website, johncassnews.com. Where are you? Are you trying to block that woman's screams from your mind? Because you know she's not the only one screaming? The summer of joy in Chicago. You're on the Chicago Way podcast on WGN+. Plus. Look, the, the, the Chicago Way is a deep cultural phenomenon. It's the Chicago Way. The Chicago Way. That's the focus. In a tower by the river, there lived a man. There was a man who took a stand with pen and paper in his hand, defeating foes in every ward with a pen more mighty than the sword. No escape from his ink lasso in a tower by the river, Castle. Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. As promised, Matt Rosenberg is here and Jeff Carlin and I, and we're sitting here safe. But we're thinking about that woman as a universal victim, the woman who screamed in Lakeview. And then there was this audio from NBC Chicago, Sandra. Torres, I believe, the reporter, uh, gathered it from interviewing people in the neighborhood who were afraid now that this, this crime had occurred. This time it was captured on camera. A 45-year-old woman could be heard screaming as three men attacked her and robbed her at gunpoint around 3 p.m. This happened on North Sealy Avenue and Wellington. And neighbors who've seen the video are banding together to keep each other safe. Oh my gosh, it's terrifying. For the first time, I'm nervous to be living here, and we are questioning whether we should stay in this area. Well, guys, once you start questioning if you should stay, do you stay? And what does it mean about what we were talking about earlier, the great unraveling that Matt Rosenberg so brilliantly uses as a, I guess, a parenthetical to encompass all this stuff that's going on throughout the country. Matt, what do you think? I think chickens are coming home to roost, John. The great unraveling, as I call it, uh, clearly began in 2020. Yeah, it's yeah. not It's not like we didn't have years of uh, disturbing and serious crime. The great reckoning for white progressives in Lakeview and elsewhere, and I sympathize greatly with them, uh, is that this used to be confined to the south side and the west side, and everyone who really thought about it knew that wouldn't last, that it would spread 
that the predators would search for softer victims who wouldn't shoot back. Um, and I mean, you can walk around Chicago and I do this because um, I can't help it. You can spot the soft people, right? They're wearing open toed shoes. They're out of shape and they're going to get it one day. And it raises the question of necessary armed self-defense in the city of Chicago. And nobody should have to consider that as an imperative just to not be victimized. But one, here's one of the, pardon me, but is one of, one of the soft people, uh, mm-hmm. like a, a guy in his mid sixties mm-hmm. uh, who can't run uh, uh, two miles like uh, Matt Rosenberg up boulder strewn, uh, <laughs> boulder strewn uh, mountains. But uh, you know, maybe a guy with the nine eleven in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Is yeah, that the right. guy? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, what does it mean then when people who consider themselves law abiding feel that they have to have guns in order to walk through what was considered a safe neighborhood? I think they moved to Tennessee or, yeah. Tex- or Texas or Arizona or Florida or Wisconsin um, or Indiana. And, but yeah. maybe, some, maybe they want to stay, you know, I, maybe I feel like going back and getting some, uh, you know, Fa, which yeah. I love. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um it's a real dilemma, John. And um, you know, so what next, really? And uh, the people that would vote for change are leaving. Uh, too many yeah. of them. So where does that leave us? Um, what happens if after November we don't see uh, a change? In the legislature, in the governor's mansion, uh, what happens if we end up with a, a new mayor and city council who really don't move the needle very much? Um, uh, Joe Ferguson talked about this in an important interview he did uh, with Franz Spielman of the Sun-Times a month or two ago. And he said he doesn't see Chicago becoming another Detroit. He sees it as too big to fail in a certain sense. And I actually understand that. If you look at the population, all the cars driving around and stuff like that, but he sees an extended purgatory like in Philadelphia. So I don't know, but uh, that's where we could land. Yeah. I mean, we made the analogy, John, I, you know, that, that it's, you know, Chicago is heading towards a Detroit, but mostly in a collapse of government more than anything, because the government is, you know, it's massive debts and they're, understaffed in many places and they can't keep services up and they keep taxing people. But I mean, to, to Joe's point too, and people have told us before on this podcast that, that Chicago is much more diverse economically speaking. It's not just a one trick pony where we're relying on an auto industry that can, can or cannot get tanked. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of things that happen in the city that, that'll keep us buoyed with taxes, but it's not an ever ending trough. I mean, all these businesses that are coming here, we're going to have trouble eventually getting people to work here. You know, all these tech firms and whatnot. If the if people don't feel safe in places like Lakeview, where people were safe, felt safe for a long time. I mean, but that scream, isn't it? Is it a race? Is there a race there attached to that scream or is it a universal scream? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Explain more what you mean by that, John. If you I would. think that people hesitate to uh, talk about it because they're afraid that in their, uh, social circles, particularly if you live in a 
blue city or blue area that uh, you you might be ostracized or identified as a threat to the established order that's still trying to hold on to power. And people retreat from that. They'd rather retreat and cede the ground to those who are unraveling, those who are picking apart at the threads of society and, and doing the unraveling. I mean, look mm-hmm. at what we have now. We have um, uh, the... Uh, Safety Act, which eliminates no right. cash bail, mm-hmm. and anyone who's uh, wise enough to read Matt Rosenberg in Wire Points knows that uh, he's been on this. You've been on this from the moment you, even before when you were writing with me, and and then afterward with some brilliant stuff about the um, the nature of policing in Chicago and urban areas, the nature of uh, the. The, the police that are abandoning the job, the police that are being attacked. I think mm-hmm. Chicago, there was a recent story you had with Ted Dabrowski mm-hmm. that uh, Chicago, Illinois has now moved up in the rankings of the of violent attacks on police officers, correct? So it's, yes. it, we're, we're still striving for excellence, apparently. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's uh, under Governor Pritzker, uh, uh, felonious killings of police in Illinois have increased. Uh, we're now sixth ranked nationally if we look at just 2019 through 2021. And that's a significant jump from the seven years prior. This comes from FA, uh, FBI data. And we've also been reporting at wire points, uh, as have other media, uh, uh, but we're doing it in our own way on the continued attacks against Chicago police. And, John, you know, all this uh, all this concern recently about uh, the street racing, including the death of one woman on the southwest side is very legitimate. But what I notice, it's not just a peaceful subculture of working class guys who like to work on their cars and blow blow off a little steam because when the cops show up, man, they attack the cop cars. Right. And, and stuff happens. So there's a bleed over between what we would really like to, I would love to cut these guys a break. I so would. Right. Right. But, but look, man, the precedent is set. Now the cops are to be taunted and attacked. I, uh, Along with that video of the scream, like uh, you know, we should we we should superimpose the the famous uh, a painting of Edvard Munch called the scream along uh, with the with the <laughs> audio. The yeah, I used to have it on the on my desk, uh, paste, <laughs> pasted to my desk at City Hall. Well, see that that's scream. That's what that's Munch. what comes from covering Chicago. But <laughs> 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 well, you're right, Matt and uh, Jeff. The uh, the what is it? The Mad Max dystopian view yeah. of of Chicago with these hordes of uh, screaming young men jumping on top of cop cars, pounding cops, attacking, throwing fireworks or fire bombs at them. Right. That's mm-hmm. part of the uh, great unraveling, is it not? Well, you know, to your point, John, about that audio earlier, and kind of the the idea of of you know, if you speak out against this, or you're like you're saying, oh, violence is happening, look, open yeah. your eyes, the, you know, the quote-unquote left is going to use it, or the progressives are going to somehow use it to, to further their cause or make you look bad, whoever you are. 
And if the to your point about the the drag racing, I mean, those there are videos of the cop car, of cop cars showing up to those events and trying to break through these crowds of people with their vehicles, and they're getting slammed on. The, the cops wind up knocking people over. So people taking those little video clips and saying, "Oh my God, the Chicago police! Look how violent and mean they are, and and bad they are towards." The black and brown people they're running them over for no reason they weren't doing anything they're just doing their what they should be doing hanging out on the street I and that's that and that's what they're using they're actually going out there and saying it putting this out on social media saying look at this look at this look at this the cops are the terrible you know don't have any you don't feel bad for them and really? it's it's yeah uh, that's it's, amazing it's crazy amazing. you see these things on twitter and it's like first of all it that's it, it, not the, not even close to what's happening here and second of all you know, then we wonder why we have you know cops are like uh, I'm. I can't get. I'm not going any faster than I have to. I'm not going to chase these guys anywhere. I, you know. Well, well, that's not my problem anymore. It's somebody else's problem. Uh, I mean, that's that's essentially where we are when it comes to everything. If you don't believe in what I believe, it's not my problem. I mean, I, it, it's upside down. Well, well it's know, part of the, the great unraveling, Matt. Mm-hmm. That's what you've said. You've said it. You've you've mentioned it. I've mentioned it. And uh, in terms of the re-election of uh, Kim Fox is another. Uh, I asked the Democratic uh, wise man, spent like years in politics, close to Richard J. Daley, uh, very close to him. I said, what does it mean? What message is this party, the Democrats, sending to the people of Illinois if they for reelecting Kim Fox after everything we knew about Kim Fox from Jesse Smollett to George Soros and all, it was all out there. Mm-hmm. And he turned to me and said, what's the message? The message is this, get the f- out. <laughs> and it's a sad thing to have to consider abandoning a city with this kind of greatness and its DNA. And people right. feel this in New York and Philadelphia. And let me tell you something. I spent, again, a few days in San Francisco in June as I uh, met up with my daughter coming up from um, San Luis Obispo, where she'd finished college, so we could drive back to Seattle together And I love that city. And I had an awesome 48 hours there. I didn't go to the tenderloin, but, you know, people want to say, you know, it's done. Put a fork in it because they see some videos, Um, you know, 80 percent of the streets you walk there uh, or more are not only safe, but intriguing and fascinating in the way of all great cities. And that's the thing, John, you know, I live I live nine months of the year in Chicagoland. I'm about to come back, and I'm looking forward to a certain event on September 19th with you. Um, there you and go. I stay uh, right up in Evanston, and I love to walk. I, I hell, I walked down to DePaul one day. I walked. To, wow. I walked down to Ravenswood, and you know, I had one sketchy moment last spring on Ridge Avenue, just south of Howard Street, where I saw some guys who absolutely looked like they were going to mug me. And I took evasive measures. But now I'm reading about a constant armed robberies of citizens on the street in Edgewater, in Rogers Park. And I feel like the city is slipping away. 
And and to be cr- quick correction to your the event is on the 18th. So anybody who has tickets and oh. is going and hearing this, I think you said the 19th, just so we don't confuse anybody. Okay, Thank let's you. can we just can My we just bad. promote that uh, shamelessly? Yeah, absolutely. Um, because we're writers, but you know what? If we hide our, our light under a bushel, okay, it doesn't <laughs> so the so the here's the thing. Well, Matt and I uh are gonna be up with wire points and our friends at Nutrier Neighbors. Mm-hmm. To have a discussion, you know, uh, like a, a <laughs> conversation or something like that, whatever we call it. A lively and discussion. A lively discussion. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one thing. It's on September 18th, 4 to 7 p.m. And mm-hmm. you know what? You had your chance. I mentioned it. It was on, <laughs> it was on uh, social media. It was sold out within minutes. Mm-hmm. The second, if we do another, we're going to, mm-hmm. we'll do it. We'll have a larger venue. But there's another event coming up. Matt and I and Jeff are going to lunch to dinner at my favorite Indian restaurant, Kama Bistro, <laughs> to prepare for this thing. And uh, right. I tell you, Ghost Pepper Vindaloo is just oh killer. <laughs> I love me. a good fin. I love a good Vindaloo. I'm looking forward to that, guys. But uh, that's one thing, you know, when you leave the great cities like San Francisco or Chicago, mm-hmm. great restaurant towns. And you go out to like, say Indiana or Tennessee, mm-hmm. you, you know, enjoy the fried foods. Because that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's you're uh, in a fried food. Uh, Utopia. Desert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, you know, yeah, you know, and I mean, I mean, walk down Milwaukee Avenue in Wicker Park. If yeah. you, if you don't if if you don't get mugged and go into myopic books, you know, come out to some of the music clubs, you know, uh, near Augusta and Western, or out by Belmont and Western. I I mean, I have so many memories of this city, and yeah. I've I've been back there a lot in the last two years. I'm the guy who came back in 2020 <laughs> to right. walk to walk all over the South side and Chicago hasn't been able to get rid of me since then. And I'm telling you, it's, it's still there. The magic is still there. And that's part of why I don't want to let go of this. Um, you know, I, I was, uh, I was down at the Hyde Park jazz festival last September, John, uh, September of 2021. And the crowds were back out because COVID was lifting. There was this palpable love and energy between the performers and the audience, it was a huge multiracial crowd. There was great food. It was along the midway. And I was sitting there watching this act on stage in, you know, Chicago. And this is going to sound like a weird rabbit hole detour, John. Chicago is also the home of avant-garde jazz, stuff that really stretches mm-hmm. the boundaries. And yep. there was this act up there, this great sax player named Isaiah Collier, and he was melding the blues with outside jazz, a la the art ensemble of Chicago. And all these people are sitting here and they just got it right. Um, I'm not sure what would happen if you played that music in Nashville. OK, no, no diss to Tennessee. Great they, state. They, they like their music and the people of Chicago love their music. And they're and particularly when it comes to jazz. Their minds are supple and uh, open and uh, embracing mm-hmm. of different forms. And, but and that, doesn't, that doesn't get a, away from the fact that you still have, I can have beautiful jazz. I can, I can still remember uh, going to this little club uh, with Betty years ago, 
in a basement on Lincoln Avenue, um, listening to Galib Galab. And she, oh and she, yeah, she keyboard players. Yeah, yeah, she loved those guys. And mm-hmm. uh, and now I'm thinking about that woman screaming in Lakeview on a Sunday afternoon. And I'm thinking to myself, gee, Matt, you're going to take that seven mile walk down into (laughs) Ravenswood again, you know, to go to Sergio's and try the veal chop with porcini mushrooms? Or or are you just going to stay up in Evanston, you know, and hope that nobody comes for you there? Do you have to carry a gun? Is that it now? Is that where we're getting? Because I want to go to those places, too. And I was joking mm -hmm. about the nine uh, carrying a nine eleven. 45 caliber but you know it's some stopping power but i the idea of even talking like this is repulsive Mm -hmm. to me but um i don't know i'm thinking of women like what do women do our our wives girlfriends Mm -hmm. do they all have to rush and get uh, a german shepherd that they've trained painstakingly for years Mm -hmm. to attack and and we know guys that this goes back to politics, policing, and criminal yes. ju- criminal justice. So it's many people say we don't have enough cops. We at WirePoints are still trying to, to suss that out. We know that if you go to the inspector general's uh, deploy- deployment uh, uh, data dashboard, uh, you, we can see that out of 11, roughly 11.6K sworn police, only about 6.2K are deployed to patrol beats in the neighborhoods. The rest are in special units. Now, we need a lot of that stuff, but not all of those other positions need to be filled by sworn officers. So, And we know recently the mayor, uh, to much controversy, shifted some of the uh, desk job uh, sworn officers, uh, particularly from the training unit, uh, to street to street slots. And, uh, you know, there's great concern about that because of the consent decree. And uh, fine, that's another issue. But the, the fact is, we need to start looking at, uh, at moving more cops from special units to, uh, to beat patrol in the 20, I think it's about 23 different police districts. Does, she need, does she need 100 police Protecting her at all times. Yeah, very good question. I know. In fact, you know, when people talk about it, it's an easy talking point. Yes. Uh, The the details of protection, you know, 60, 70, 80 cops uh, for Kim Fox, for uh, I don't know how many she's got uh, that many for Lightfoot, uh, more for Pritzker. How would they uh, uh, govern if they had no protection? Let alone they chastise the neighborhoods that want to spend their own hard-earned money and pay for security in the neighborhoods. They chastise them or they chastise the businesses for not being armed enough or better protected just to keep keep themselves from getting robbed. They have the gall to do that. It's just a slap in the face. Every time she opens her mouth, it's a slap in the face to reality and to people who pay taxes. I mean, and and I mean, by she, I mean, Lori Lightfoot and Kim Fox, too, and Jamie Pritzker, for that matter. But Mm -hmm. This well, is I, this is what happens to a reasonable man uh, who gets mugged by reality. Mm-hmm. He starts to sounding like you do, Jeff, because many people <laughs> sound like this. There, there's a yeah. there was a, a, a mom and a and a daughter on the on the red line, South Side, Ninety Fifth Street, beaten savagely, mm-hmm. 
just the other day. And then they were asked about it, you know, like, what are your comments? You know, what do you, and she, the woman said, the young woman said, I'm never taking the L again. Mm-hmm. And now these are, these, this is the heart of Chicago. These are, right. these are uh, middle-class black people, women. This is not just some, you know, not like uh, uh, somebody coming from the North Shore or Western Springs. These are people that are the heart of the city, and uh, they can't take the public transportation. And then they 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 hire uh, CTA hires guards, which who have, don't have guns and dogs that are muzzled. So tell right. me, how does that work, gentlemen? How does that how does that work? I think where we're headed is to that sort of purgatory that Jill Ferguson talked about. But let's picture what it looks like. There are private security firms in an increasing number of neighborhoods. There are people uh, who are high salaried and live in high rise enclosures with their own armed guard corps outside Um, The people in the more vulnerable neighborhoods become even more armed. Uh, And, uh, you know, to some extent, it's a ghost city. Then you've got the real estate issue downtown, not only because of crime, but because of uh, the increasing popularity of remote work. Right. And we've all seen the important stories about the lower and lower percentage of uh, check-ins by workers. You know, they track the security card usage at these downtown office buildings. It's not just real estate vacancy rates. You know, it's actual building population during the day, and that's going down and down. And we know workers are less and less uh, inclined to come in. Uh, They can't get them in with ping pong anymore. And so, (laughs) you know, so now we are talking about you're seeing serious articles in Bloomberg and other places about what is New York going to do with all of its uh, office buildings that are permanently, maybe mostly empty. How 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 much are they worth now that they're empty? And what happens to the real estate taxes that sustain cities? That's the thing. Right. Yeah. And see, that's the thing. You can write this off all until you can't write it off anymore. I have friends who say, ah, there's always been crime. What are you going to do? Well, no, it's it feels differently. The reactions are differently. It's distributed differently. There's an intensity and an edge and a predatory aspect to this that there never used to be. Um, You did not have guys popping out of cars, three of them at a time with guns to rob people and then driving around the corner and doing it again and then making 10 hits in in 60 minutes. Well, gentlemen, I have to ask you, I think of, I don't know where Jeff's grandparents came from. I would, I assume like some in European town or city. My, my great grandparents, my grand, uh, my settled in, uh, Right around DePaul, where DePaul is now. But from where? What uh, from Ireland? From Ireland and Norway. Okay. So from Ireland, and you have uh, people. Uh, Matt, your family mm-hmm. probably came from Russia, I would assume, or uh, Germany, uh, somewhere. Y- Ukraine, actually. Ukraine. Co- okay, yeah. The which yeah. now loves uh, that now is enamored. Ukraine is now enamored of the uh, Cossack brigades, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's for another podcast, and then. <laughs> 
me from uh, my family from Greece, but they came to the Chicago area, to the Chicago in the turn of the century. And there was the black hand from the mafia. Mm -hmm. Uh, You had different, uh, the Irish gangs, the, uh, you know, I don't know if there are any Greek gangs. I don't think we were tough enough to have gangsters or maybe we joined the, the Irish and there were definitely Jewish gangs. Is that what we have to do now? We're going to see as part of the great unraveling that Matt Rosenberg writes about so eloquently, are we going to see the elevation of street gangs, not only just private security forces, but street gangs uh, to provide muscle? Well, maybe that's part of this dystopian place that we're headed to, because the tradition, John, as you well know, is, yeah. is well is well established. Right? Yeah. You, is, you, yeah. you, you pay established yeah. in Rome, basically, you know, many yeah. years, thousands of years ago. Right. You, you pay guys to protect you if you right. need to. Right? right. And and it feels like that's and, you know, already, I mean, there's really forced recruitment. And, you know, this bleeds over so much of it into our schools. Let's not forget the role of Chicago public schools. And, what and role? <laughs> yeah. Well, for instance, recently, um, recently uh, they added to their equity uh, website, a video of a woman named Kimberly Jones espousing looting and rioting because there's no economic hope for blacks. And it was an amazing message of hopelessness on the equity page of the Chicago Public Schools website. And she also went on to say in the video, and so CPS is effectively endorsing this, that the people we pay to, uh, you know, to break up crime and take care of us are killing us, meaning black people. And that caused us to go have a good look at the data using the Washington Post's authoritative database on uh, police-involved uh, homicides uh, of civilians to take a good look. And it turns out that in 2020, 94% of the victims were armed and refusing to give up their, their weapons when so ordered by police. Of course, the video uh, comes in after, you know, um, the guy has fled and failed to give up his weapon. The video comes in in the last second when the cop has to pull the trigger because the guy is whirling around and not right. discarding his gun quickly enough, a la Adam Toledo. So, uh, yeah, right. You know, you'll, but the propaganda is there. And then this is used in this video by Kimberly Jones on the CPS website is instructive because she uses uh, this, you know, allegation of rampant. Uh, uh, police murders of blacks as a justification for looting. And that takes me right back to 2020, right after the looting on Michigan Avenue, when you had uh, a Chicago BLM representative saying in the media, of course, looting is justified. And, you know, you had a national author on NPR who had just written a book saying, yes, of course, we have to get rid of the police state so we can have free stuff. And all of this is about, in a way, entitlement, right? Only it's not the entitlement of the wealthy, you know, upper middle class and the bourgeoisie. It's the entitlement of people who have become takers, not makers. And it's 
you know, girded uh, by our public schools, by our media, and uh, by academics, particularly at many of our public and private uh, universities in Illinois, and particularly Chicagoland. So there's this whole ethos of entitlement and and victimology that underlies all of this. And I know you guys are well aware of it. And I just uh, underscore that we should never forget the uh, sort of cultural and institutional underpinnings of the great unraveling. I'd love to to, to, to point out the irony, too, that the same members of CTU, I'm sure, who are are talking like that and winding up on CPS websites and whatnot uh, are the same ones who also exalt the Venezuelan situation, what's happening in Venezuela as some sort of bastion for what we should all be doing. Meanwhile, there are, you know, unfortunately, refugees in this who are being shipped to Chicago from Venezuela who are fleeing the exact things that are actually being perpetrated and then discussed by the people, actual police killings that are, are just randomly killing people for their own benefit and violence and corruption on a scale that doesn't even compare to the city and state. But that's, that's where we should be going. We should be going towards Venezuela's model for how to run things. It's, it, you're right. I mean, it, it, there's, no, there's no structure in anywhere in any of these institutions that could keep an unraveling from happening, right? The president, the president of the United States in his wisdom, which I disagree with has uh, gone out of his way to constantly uh, demonize people who oppose him as fascists, but the quickest way, and I would tell this to Joe Biden and to his handlers, his uh, puppet masters, the quickest way to reach something like that is to uh, is to participate in the destruction of law and order and pe- have people af- afraid for their lives and have institutions that, as Matt just pointed out, that that support such destruction. And I'll give you another thing. Why is it, gentlemen, that with all that going on with the uh, with that uh, website and the, the the obnoxious nonsense that's coming out of it officially, why is it that the media in Chicago doesn't push back? I mean, Wire points points it out in a in a dispassionate, uh, very interesting and important way, and I'll point it out in sort of a uh, maybe a more of a you know couple left hooks way, but. Um, I don't see the the mainstream media, the Nash, the, uh, the the media of Chicago pointing pointing this out anywhere. Why is that? Well, I can tell you, John, one telling moment for us at WirePoints. And by the way, I want to give a huge shout out to our crew at WirePoints. Yes, the, the founder Mark Glennon, the president Ted Dabrowski, and the guy I call the boy wonder, our senior data analyst John Klingner. Um, they're behind every uh, mm. piece that I do, and um, it's a fantastic team. And and Ted particularly uh, has an amazing laser focus to bring these stories, uh, you know, uh, he, he right knows the rocks to kick over. <laughs> yeah. I got to hear this story. So tell us. So we took a look, not just at the usual thing, the media reports, which is the annual decline in enrollment at CPS as more right. and more parents 
you know, get fed up and want to take matters into their own hands. That's a huge story. And to, to the credit of the Chicago media, they have reported on that. We looked at the school by school enrollment levels contrasted with the 70% capacity threshold that CPS officially uses. And we found that actually 55% of their 480 almost traditional public schools, non-charter, non-contract public schools, uh, more than half of them uh, were below the official capacity threshold, meaning 30% or more of the seats were empty, but it gets worse. It turns out that a third of these almost 480 schools were less than uh, uh, half full. And we identified some that were only 5 to 20% full, where the achievement scores on the state report card were you know, like 0% of kids proficient in reading or 1% or 2%. And then Ted and John took another whack at it after our first big story. And they found that the staff almost outnumbers the students at some of these most empty schools. So then Mike Flannery at Fox 32 uh, picked up on that. A lot of the media picked up on it, as they should have. Nobody was reporting at this level. It wasn't hard. It was on their website, in an Excel spreadsheet. And by the way, hot tip to the media, the new school-by-school uh, school data will be out soon. See if you can beat wire points to it. <laughs> I'd love for that to happen. Um So Flannery calls up CTU, the teachers union, and says, hey, what about this stuff? Wire points dug up. And CTU said, on the record to Mike Flannery, F, wire points. You can guess the letters after the F. Uh, And and as Flannery noted in his report, um, they used the whole word. So that's their response. Um, And what happens is um, Chicago's you know, leaders such as they are, they double down on their incompetence and arrogance. Everything is about doubling down. CTU's enrollment is bleeding down to almost nothing. And they brag about a bigger budget and being able to spend more money on per student. Like for what? When three three quarters of them district wide can't meet grade level in math and reading. You're referring to the ridiculous sometimes editorial about how the the shrinking enrollment in Chicago schools means a silver lining. Yeah, right? it, it, it's just amazing. You know, where right. have these people been? And where have these legacy journalists who've spent their entire careers in Chicago making names for themselves, being on panels? You know, <laughs> what have they really accomplished if it has come to this? Have they never looked in the mirror and said, you know, this go along to get along stuff, it's just not working out? Where is their integrity? Um, I I feel like everybody who's been party to this decline of this once great city is implicated in this. And, yeah, it pisses me off. (laughs) (laughs) We're, We're speaking to Matt Rosenberg senior editor now at wirepoints.org. And I tell everyone, everyone who's listening to go to wirepoints and look up some of the stories that they're offering. I mean, this is just 
a treasure trove of important stories. No Chicago Sun-Times, there is no silver lining to Chicago schools' shrinking enrollment. Chicago leaders' hip- hypocritical stance on school choice. The opportunity that Chicago and Illinois kids need is real school choice. Here, here, I second that emotion very much so. Um, on and on about with Matt writing about the, oh, there's one. The should the Illinois Attorney General should join this historic critical lawsuit. Why hasn't Attorney General Kwame Raul? What's this one about? I'm just looking at it. Uh, our founder, Mark Glennon, wrote that piece. Oh, it's yeah. A- excellent piece. It's about an action that several state attorney generals, not in Illinois, have taken um, to fight back against big social media for censorship of the news. Uh, it's a very important suit. Mark found the link to all the documents for the suit, which are online. Oh, right. And, Zuckerberg, et cetera. Yeah. Yes, I see it and, and Illinois is not joining that because apparently Illinois benefits from censorship. And uh, many of the allegations in the case, as I read from Mark's story, have to do with decisions by social media companies to censor news that deviated from the government line on COVID and public health at the time the pandemic was breaking out and subsequent to that. And uh, so, and that is a particular, and so we have, uh, we have a small team, but one with diverse interests. And Mark has dialed into some of these very important macro level issues. And as a former uh, attorney, he's really good at digging into stories like this. So yeah, by all means, uh, uh, folks. Read this website. Right. Yeah. yeah. Should should dig into our stuff. And then, of course, on pensions, fiscal stuff, out migration of wealth, out migration of population. Ted and John have been killing it on that subject for several years. So, again, this is all stuff that is out there. You usually do not even have to FOIA for this stuff. The you Jenny Thornley story we had uh, yeah. just the other day, we had. Yeah. Uh, we had Attorney Tom General DeVore. candidate Tom DeVore on, mm-hmm. uh, and wire points came up again in that mm-hmm. conversation because, well, as, as people should know, wire points has been constantly and doggedly going after this Jenny Thornley uh, alleged fraud, which involves both Pritzker and Kwame Raul, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, wire points is on it again. So, yes, I would I would read wire points, everyone. I think you should. Absolutely. Thank we could you. probably we, we wrap it, John. Yes, we could, but uh, the, question is, the question is now lentils that take 24 hours at least to make. A <laughs> kitchen uh, that is a uh, combination uh, Indian and uh, European Polish uh, extraction chefs. Mm. And uh, I've walked into that uh, that kitchen, and Vikram of uh, Kama Bistro said, "One thing, tell me one thing that you don't you notice that's not in my kitchen." And I looked around, and I was I was flummoxed. I, I said, "I don't know, sir. I I didn't want to offend. I I I don't know." And he goes, "Do you see one can here?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yes, no cans." And that tells you uh, that if there's no cans. 
that means they're making it scratch, right? Mm. I, I like that. I'm looking forward to our gathering there and yeah. to, to spending time in LaGrange, which is a lovely town and which reminds us that there are solid, intact, beautiful communities all over the place in greater Chicagoland. And they used to include many wonderful communities in the city, everywhere in the city, on the south side, the west side, and the north side. So it reminds me that we're fighting for intact communities. And that's really what this is all about. You see people, what you see institutions or actors taking that sort of, I don't know what the name of the tool is called for, for the tailor, but the tool that they take out the seams of things. And they t- tear at the thread. Seam ripper. What? A seam ripper. A seam ripper, right? yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. as they pull on that thread and do that to your country and to your city and your state, you have to stand up and notice what they're doing and call them out on it because that is the great unraveling. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. Matt Rosenberg has pointed it out. And Matt, thank you for being here yeah, with us. Yeah, thanks, Matt. My pleasure, guys. Thank you for having me on. It was great to talk. For Matt Rosenberg, formerly of JohnCastNews.com, now of WirePoints.org, he writes important data-driven stuff on the great unraveling. And for Jeff Carlin, executive producer, WGN Radio, future physics teacher, my friend, and uh, dinner companion, Chris, Christine, Jeff, Matt, his bride, and Betty and I will be together soon. Looking forward I, I, to it. I'm looking forward to it. And for me, John Cass, husband, father, Greek Orthodox Christian, someday I'll explain why I always say those three things. Join us again, won't you, for another edition of the Chicago Way podcast on WGN+.